What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Deer Vein Podcast. And this week it is Parker. I, if you listen to the podcast often, Parker's been on, I don't know, five or six times or so. He's my best friend, best man in my wedding. I was best man in his. His family taught me essentially how to hunt. Um, so we've been hunting together since playing Pokemon on the school bus and whatever, second grade or whatever it was, third grade. Um, so, and, and this week we're going to be chatting kind of about what we're both up to this season. Parker's got a, a, a buck that a lot of people may have seen. You may have seen it in my Instagram. Uh, he's a giant buck called Pope is, is what we've, what he's named him. And we'll talk a lot about him as well as some other stuff that's coming up on that property. And then also go into kind of what I'm up to this early season. And we're going to kind of make this like a monthly check-in, um, giving you guys a, a look into what we're doing because over the, over the hunting season, um, September, October, November, and a little bit into December, I'll be producing what's called the deer vein whitetail series. We did it last year. So this will be the second year. And the, the, the purpose of the whitetail series is essentially for that whole time frame, we're going to be putting out only whitetail content and we're going to be delivering information essentially the week before that phase kicks in, if that makes sense. So you can actually use the tactics that you guys hear on the podcast in your hunting next week. So like, you know, if, if you want to call pre-rut October 15th, I'll be putting out content on the pre-rut, um, about probably October 7th or October 5th. So then you get that information and you can actually deploy those tactics on the 15th through the 30th. And we'll be doing about six or seven podcasts a month. So it's roughly two a week, one and a half to two a week. So just keep your eyes open and keep them peeled for that. Um, and we're going to be going all across the Midwest. And then I got a bunch of guests from Pennsylvania and then a lot from the Midwest this year. So be a lot of different tactics, early season, pre-rut, rut, um, post-rut, gun season, all that kind of stuff. We'll be floating it all through here. So with that, we're kind of kicking, this is not necessarily the whitetail series kickoff yet. Um, so, and Parker and I will just kind of mix it in there. You won't hear a whole lot about what I got going on unless I kill a big one and then <laughs> I'll make a podcast on that or Parker does. Um, uh, but otherwise we're going to have, have check-ins going on for that. So yeah, just want to give you guys that, that preview and yeah. Anything else to add Parker? Is that? Oh, dude, that. That all sounds good. Okay. Parker's a man of many words. I got to drag shit out of him. Even, yeah, even right. though like he's one of those friends that even though we're, we're essentially best friends, he'll like get trail camera pictures of really nice deer and not tell me. And I'll have to like ask him about it. He's one of those friends. I'm sure we all have him. He's just like, ah, I mean, there's, I didn't tell you. Cause I, I guess you just never asked. Like there was no reason to tell you. <laughs> never came up. <laughs> yeah, that never came up. Right. And the other big thing about Parker's property that's super interesting is it's it's private land, but you're kind of like competing with other people on the piece of private, like yeah, family and non-family members. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like uh we have permission to hunt, it's roughly like 360 acres. And there's a handful of guys that can hunt a specific 120 of that. And then pretty much the whole thing, like my entire family hunts it. So there's, 
I mean, at any given time, you know, during, when it's busy, there could be 12 people on that, 15 people maybe during gun season, especially. But bow seasons usually, oh, I don't know. There's usually four, five, six people pretty much every weekend hunting it. Okay. But it seems like more people might be starting to pick it up, especially on that 120 acres. Been seeing a lot more, a lot more trail cameras out this year than normal, kind of making me a little nervous. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's it's interesting because I mean the you you know you have 360 acres right to go after it, and and you've been hunting that pretty much your whole life, and only mm. in the last couple of years have you really narrowed it down to specific chunk of that for early season yeah right? yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's so tell been, me about tell let's talk about that evolution and how you were able to to nail that down yeah i mean i think the the entire property is kind of involved that sees a lot more just recreational activity on like our specific 240 acres and i think that really and that's basically right in the middle of the property right so i think it really pushes a lot of the deer activity out to like the fringe parts of the property and then that 120 acres is obviously very fringe. So, but even within that 120, it's like the farthest corner away from like all these, you know, campsites and, and ATV guys. That's hands down where I get most of my trail camp pictures. And I mean, daytime, nighttime, kind of everything, honestly. It's like this one little corner is just the money spot. It's like every, every time I, I check my cameras, you know, I'll leave all my cameras out for two, three weeks and get 200 pictures here, 300 pictures here, whatever. And then I check these cameras. It's like 2000 pictures, 2,500 pictures. I mean, it's like an astronomically huge difference. Right. But like the coincidental part is that is the farthest spot away from all the activity. And like a lot of the trails, the four wheeler trails are not maintained to get to it. So it's like people can still, four wheel back there and they can make it. And this year they've been kind of keeping up with it. It's, it has been seeing a little more activity, but still not nearly as much as, you know, the rest of the property. So yeah. it's been interesting to just kind of see that as it's, it's very noticeable early when they're still in velvet and summer patterns that, I mean, that center of the farm is typically just dead. I mean, there's hardly anything moving on the cameras right. at least. I mean, I'm sure they're there, but they're not walking in front of the cameras. No. And that, yeah. And that brings up like a good point about, you know, it seems like something you've done your entire life. You don't really like question it too much. And then all of a sudden you sit down and you take like a fresh, a fresh set of eyes at this, you know, you take Mm -hmm. a look at it and like, okay, if this was a new property today, where would I go or what would I try? Right. Without knowing any of the history on it and try to just clear your mindset. Because when you look at that property, I mean, they, the, the washes have really nice food plots in the center Mm -hmm. of the farm with good bedding cover, good stands that have great access in and out, Mm -hmm. you know, but over the, and over the years, that was always like a a prime target, you know, is I remember always sitting um, one of the stands they call pink caddy like early season. That was always uh, a spot that we like to go. Yeah. And it's, and it's, you know, people are like, well, duh, it's the farthest piece of the property. That's probably why it's the best. But at the same time, I I, I'm saying this because there are a lot of good spots on this property. And for the last 20 years, it's just kind of been like, Hey, we're in here. We have our cameras kind of spread out in this area and 200 pictures was the norm. And then Mm -hmm. you started checking out that far back corner and you're like, dude, (laughs) this is, this is where it's at. Right. Night and day different. 
Yeah. And then, and, and so like one of my biggest points and takeaways from that is like, even if you've been hunting a property for 30 years, start trying to put some cameras. And if you're not having, if you're having luck, then whatever, you know, don't, don't worry sure. about it, but try putting cameras in spots where you traditionally don't, or even right. stay and just yeah, give over, it a shot. Overlooked like, kind of spots, especially. What's that? Overlooked type spots, especially. I mean, yeah. spots you wouldn't, you wouldn't think might be that good, but if the property sees a lot of pressure, that might be where, I mean, a lot of the actions actually happening. Right. Yeah, exactly. And even like neighboring pressure, right. Cause mm-hmm. I know there's, there's some pieces of public that I walk and it seems like after the first, within the first couple of weeks, um, there's private, I know I see their vehicles and they're hunting on private ground. And, and I've, and I've seen like, I've put trail cameras on the piece of public and I've had pictures of deer out there, decent deer. And then all of a sudden opening day we hits and you see all the vehicles over at the piece of private, the, you know, two, three vehicles. And then it seems like within a couple of weeks, those deer just kind of move out of that whole area. And they're just mm-hmm. like, they're just gone, you know? So that pressure, I mean, it makes, it makes a lot of difference. Oh, big time, big time. Yeah. So, okay. So you got these, you got these trail cameras back in the back in the back corner and mm-hmm. you're sitting here and we're looking for Pope, right? That's, that's the biggest, that's been the biggest buck on your farm for the last couple of years, right? Yeah. The one, the biggest that is at least hung out, you know, we get okay. some kind of roamers come through in November that are pretty impressive, but you know, you get like three pictures of them and never see them again. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, Pope, this is going to be the third year of actually hunting him where he's like identifiable, I guess. Okay. And, uh, he's, he did get, he got shot last year during gun season in his, his front lower front leg. I got a picture of him shortly after gun season had ended and his lower front leg was just mangled. I mean, it looked really, really bad. And I was kind of like, Oh no. I mean, I didn't, I honestly didn't, didn't really know if he was going to make it. And it was two or three weeks kept getting pictures of him. And after three weeks, you could barely tell he was hit. It was, it was ridiculous. It was just like a small dark spot all of a sudden. And, uh, you know, I kept continuously getting pictures of him. He was very, I mean, shockingly, I was hunting him late season, especially like muzzleloader. And then I tried a little bit of late archery and we have one, one food plot of standing corn that we leave. Um, and he would, he'd visit that field, but it was so irregular and he was actually putting on a lot of distance, surprisingly, especially for late season. He was, I was getting pictures of him basically across the farm and there was no real pattern, no rhyme or reason to it. He was just very mobile all of a sudden, which is very not like him because the year before that, he basically hung out in that cornfield almost every day. Like I was getting pictures of him as I, you know, I figure he was a three-year-old at that point and I was getting pictures of him at least every other day. I mean, middle of the day, you know, an hour before dark, right at dark. I mean, it was crazy. And I was hoping he was going to do the same thing. And he just did not at all. And maybe it was because I was hunting him more. I was putting a little more pressure down there. Maybe he just kind of boogered out of there, but. And it could have, yeah. It could have been because he was shot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he might've been, and you know, there's, there's something to be said about that because this year he's, visiting the same his normal summer area but it's again it's not nearly as frequent as he did the past two years he's i'm getting pictures of him again kind of over half of the farm which just in 
the years before it was in this one small area, probably like a 20 acre chunk. Hmm. So maybe getting shot did kind of, you know, I, and I don't know who, you know, I didn't hear of anyone that missed, you know, big buck on the neighboring properties. And there's, there's some DNR land right there. We have no clue who might've winged them or, or when, um, huh. but it could, uh, it could be playing a part in, you know, where he's moving around now because it's, he's getting, he's really hard to dial in right now, which is <laughs> like I said, not, not normal for this time of year. Yeah. Well, and last year you, you somewhat had him dialed in to a, to a degree. I know it was really yeah. frustrating. Cause it's like, I have a camera at point A, point B yep. and point C and he shows up at point A and point C and I can't get him at the B and I've moved the B around all over the place. And he's yeah. not like, I don't know how he's getting from point A to point C. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, I still have not, I've never seen this deer with my own eyes. It's just, I have literally <laughs> thousands of trail cam pictures of him daytime, nighttime, everything. And I still not, and I found his sheds two years in a row now. I've yet to lay eyes on him. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the closest I think that I've ever come to him was uh, it was my birthday last year. It was hot, like September 22nd, super hot, just not a good day at all. I was like, screw it. I'm just going to go. Like, it's my birthday. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> so I climbed and I was hunting over a water hole and it was like a half hour before dark. The two bucks that he'd been hanging out with all summer long came and came right to the water hole and I was sitting there going holy shit it it might happen tonight like he's been hanging with these guys since July right yeah never came never saw him those bucks watered hung out for 10-15 minutes turned around and went right back the way they came and I'm sitting there like what the heck <laughs> you know like yeah but I guess you know it's getting later in September he must have just split off the group within a few days of then I'm, I'm yeah. assuming and that same night down after the fact i checked some cameras later and that same night he had popped out on the other side of this field around the same time that those bucks had come in but he he essentially went right and they came left and it was like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) they just didn't follow him for whatever reason They, they they popped out in the field all together and then i had another camera that just got him and then i saw the other two bucks it's like come on (laughs) (laughs) fooling you what is, and we've talked a lot about this, but what describe his, describe how big he is. I mean, you found his sheds. What type of deer is he? So m- measured, measured up his sheds. His left side was right around 80 inches. It's like 80 and like an eighth or maybe two eighths. And then his right side was like 75 or 74 and some change. Okay. And he's, he's narrow spread. I mean, at the most i'm putting him at like 15 inch spread just very very good time length he's a main frame 11 pointer six on his left side five on his right and just his mass was surprisingly way better than i thought it was going to be just by looking at pictures i mean when i picked up his horns like the first thing you notice is how heavy they are it's like holy smokes this is a toad you know so i mean he's high 160s class deer is my best guess. I mean, what's do the math there? One fifty-five. Yeah, so plus fifteen, maybe fourteen inches. Yeah, he's tickling that one seventy mark, okay. but just pretty narrow, very tall, and like exceptional mass. Yeah, and this so this year he's like six and a half. Is that? 
I'm putting him at five and a half this year. Five and a half? Okay. So when he was three and a half, I found only his right side. I hunted him a little bit that year, but he was probably like, he was like a one, high 120s, low 130s type deer. There was a couple other ones that I had that were a little more exciting, I guess, at the time. And then he made a huge jump from three and a half to four and a half. I mean, he put on like 40 inches almost. And, uh, and that was measured up like via sheds. Right. So, um, this year now he didn't really make a jump. If anything, I think he actually went down a hair, but I'm assuming the first year that I was, you know, getting pictures of him, following him, he was a three and a half. And then he jumped to a four and a half. Now this year, five and a half. If anything, he's actually a year younger this year he might be a four and a half but i kind of doubt it okay hard to say though gotcha so then i mean with it being with him being in a very core area last year and now he's a lot more frequent this year or infrequent or what am i trying to say yeah infrequent so he's a lot more infrequent this year um you also to, to to stir the pot a little bit more you also got a couple other really good bucks on camera in that area, right? Yeah, yeah, both repeats from last year. And honestly, this year I'd say they're both probably bigger than Pope. I mean, score-wise, you know, I don't I don't have the history per se with them. Maybe, maybe had 50, 60 pictures of both deer last year. But you know, saw them kind of a lot in August time frame. And then September hit, they shed their velvet kind of disappeared for a while and then i get an occasional you know round of pictures of them mid-october late october november and so it's like they were hanging out in that particular area and that's again on the far corner of the property mm-hmm. and that's the only place i got pictures of them but this year they came back one last year was just a giant wide tall but kind of spindly eight point but i put him at like a high 140s maybe 158 point last year this year he's a mainframe nine and then has a split G2. And I mean, he got bigger in literally every aspect. It's like, he's a, he's a monster. (laughs) (laughs) And and then the other ones are just nice wide, not real tall, but like pretty decent height, but he's probably 22, 23 wide, just super good mass. Um, He's a mainframe 10 and then has kickers on off both of his bases that are probably two, three inches. So he's a 12 right now. Okay but both very, very impressive deer. Did you see, and you never saw any of them on the hoof either? No, no, I haven't seen one of these deer. <laughs> it's terrible. Right. And the, in the, in this back corner to describe Parker's land for everybody listening, this, this back corner is like a bowl. So you have this big ridge top that's covered in uh that's covered in egg. And mm-hmm. then, and then Parker's kind of owns half the ridge top and and the woods on that half of that side so he can only hunt this like back corner of that egg field and woods and it and it's a high ridge top and it dumps off pretty steep into like these bowls and and the reason i want to make that clear is because the wind down in there sucks it just it's it's awful (laughs) i've hunted it with them we've filmed in there before we filmed a really nice buck if you ever want to check it out on youtube here's a very shameless plug um one of the, the only real like really good uh buck that we got uh, on film lately i mean it's 140 142 inch uh 10 point or nine point we filmed in that bull 
Um, and that was a hell of a story too, man. We moved, <laughs> we moved with 45 minutes left of light because the wind switched and we were hunting the, the egg field and we moved and we we're just like, all right, well, let's just, there's a stand 60 yards down below us. Let's just drop into that thing. We no longer got in that stand. And, and I was like, Parker's like, do you hear that? I was like, yeah, it's a squirrel. Parker goes, that's a really big fucking squirrel, Heller. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, dude, it's coming this way. I can see the rack from there. And that buck just came right at us. It was pretty sweet. So yeah, shot him. And I mean, Parker made a great shot, 20 yards right in the lungs, dumped him right there pretty much. Yeah. So yeah, two of the past three bucks that I've shot with my bow have been right there, same spot. <laughs> Over it's a good, the, I mean, I mean and I've and I've had two years of terrible luck, so it's been over the course <laughs> of you know five, five, six years. That's been kind right. of the spot. Yeah. So then okay, so with what I mean, and you put in probably like 20, 30 sits early season last year on them. It seemed like you were out there <laughs> yeah. all the time from yeah, I was putting it in from early, like I mean, Wisconsin opens mid-September, and you were out there like pretty much all yeah. September and the first week of October trying to get that thing. Yeah, get them on the yeah, ground. we we had really actually like really good temperatures in September last year. If I remember right, I remember it was, I mean, I was putting layers on that I usually wouldn't put on and I was just having a hard time getting on them. I mean, there's basically, there was two hay fields that he was frequenting on that property and I had to pick, you know, one or the other, and they were both good with the same wind. So it was basically just coin toss. And basically every time I tossed the coin, I was wrong. Cause he'd pop out in the other field. It was <laughs> like, I mean, it was literally the whole season. It was driving me nuts. But um, I was getting creative. I was sitting literally. It's it's a hay field that's up against another agriculture field, and it was corn last year. I did a bunch of sits where I was sitting in the corn right on the ground, and just like three rows in, and I'd kind of like clear off some of the leaves so I could see and shoot through. And I mean, I was seeing a ton of deer regularly, and I actually saw I saw one of the other shooters that we had last year that the neighbor ended up killing later in the year. He came out one night and was sparring with a buck whatever it was right at last light he was too far anyways but um anyway it had a, had a ton of luck but just could never see the steer and he was like kind of the one deer i was really after yeah. um and put it in i i don't remember you know i, I did sit a lot in september and october i have probably yeah 20 sits i'd say from mid-september to the first week in october i mean it was, and, and, I mean, it was my, dang near every day yeah, you I mean, were my working, work schedule yeah. just worked out perfect. I was done at noon or two o'clock every day. And I mean, it doesn't get dark till seven o'clock. So I'd be in right. the woods at three 30, four o'clock, just ready to rock. You know? <laughs> yeah. I remember you saying that you're just like, yeah, dude, we have to, we get, uh, we, uh, we get like two, two first shifts and then we have to take a second shift, which is yeah. like the two to, you know, the two to 10 or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And you were like, I, for some reason i got three or four weeks of first shift all morning yeah. <laughs> yeah i lucked out and and i'm just gonna be on every night after this yeah. year yeah i did and i mean my wife was pretty crazy like approvative of it which was uh kind of <laughs> shocking <laughs> but if she was giving the thumbs up you know i'm gonna go so right that's what yeah, exactly <laughs> um so with that being said, and all that history now laid out for everyone listening, what are, what's the thought this year? Like, what are you, how are you going to yeah. attack this differently? Or are this you? This year, well, I've changed it up a little bit with my camera strategy. Usually in this back corner, I was running two cameras. 
this year I actually have five cameras in like a 20 acre, maybe well, it's probably less, probably like 15 acre piece. And I mean, I peppered the field edge and then it's kind of that bowl that you're talking. And then the bottom side of that bowl, I peppered. So if they were coming in, coming in from the bottom, the idea, right, is that I was going to catch them coming in. And I wasn't sure if they were maybe betting on the neighbors like a ways away. There's a couple, there's a couple pretty big ridges that run out on the neighbors and then drop down. But I mean, I've seen quite a few deer come from there, but I just don't know, you know, how heavy it's used for bedding. It's kind of like, it's thick, but it's also, they have cattle in there. So it's like, it's thick, but it's not thick, you know, if, if that makes sense. Like there's sure. huge like cattle trails that run through there and, and they have some mode trails and things like that. But I just, I just, there's I don't know. Patches. I don't understand. There's like patches of thickness yeah. in there. Like Definitely. Big, big patches of multiflower rows. Yeah. Um, and then there's like a nothing. It's like a nice, clean, mature yeah. oak woods where you can yeah. see 80 yards in the woods. Oh yeah. Plus, and then all yeah. of a sudden, yeah. Then all of a sudden you hit a thick chunk where it's just like, mm -hmm. you know, an acre of multiflower rows. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was real curious on like, if maybe that's where he was living and I, I mean, maybe he was last year, but this year it just does not seem to be that way at least. And, and surprisingly to me, I mean, I was getting a lot of the deer, not all the time, but a lot of times I'd get a picture of them down in the lower edge or the, on the bottom side of the bowl. And it'd be like, five minutes before I'd get a picture of them up on top as they're coming out into the egg field. It's like, they were just cruising right through that bowl. I don't even know if they really stop, you know? Okay. Which I was, I was pretty surprised with that. Cause that bowl's, I mean, it's thick, it's nasty. It's for sure. Doe bedding. I mean, I kick does out of there all the time, but I mean, this time of year, yeah, maybe they're just literally cruising through there, but the, it also doesn't seem like they're coming from, those lower points of the neighbors that I was talking about, like a lot of times they're like paralleling where, so like they must be coming either from the neighbors, I guess it'd be to the South, like kind of where you were squirrel hunting the other day or that yeah. when you, me you and Nick were out there, they must be either coming from there or honestly the public land and just the West or the East and not the North. Right. Well, right. well, North or the, the North or the South and not the West. Got it. Is how yeah. it kind of lays out. But yeah. yeah which I thought they'd be coming from the West. So yeah. it's been interesting to essentially prove all of my theories wrong. <laughs> of how, so now I'm sitting there like, Oh yeah, no wonder I never see these deer, but uh, it's, yeah. yeah. So that's been kind of my main approach. I wanted, and I still do want to do a lot more of like in-person scouting. I, it's, it's not going to be a lot more anymore. I mean, I'm just running out of time, but physically you know go sit up on some high spots with with the spotting scope and just glass for the last 30 minutes and be like am i missing something here <laughs> like i gotta be missing something like where are these deer coming out of but the hard part with that property is that last the last little bit of the field before it hits woods and then drops off uh, the hill is already starting to drop so it's like it's all out of sight <laughs> Sure. And that's where, of course, that's where they're popping out of. So even if I stay up high and try to glass them, I, I'm just not sure if I'm still going to be able to see them, you know, unless they come out early enough that they, they feed their way out in the field quite a ways. Right. Or, you know, they got to come out like 75 yards at least. Yeah. So. Yeah. And for, and for reference, this field, I, I don't know exactly how big it is, but it's probably close to like a 200 acre field itself. So, and it's when you pull, sides, yeah. yeah, when you pull yeah. in, um, you're on the highest spot 
when you when you come off the road and then so we you can just pull off the road and you can almost see all the way to the back end if you had a good spotter but yeah yeah, as parker was saying that last little bit just drops off so they can pop up out of that bowl and feed and you'd never see them unless you were got a lot closer or right you'd have to be right you'd have to be standing right before where it drops off which i mean then you're within like 100 yards of them which isn't ideal for August Scott. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, okay. So then did the, the main strategy so far is trail cameras, are you switching up your stands at all, or are you going to kind of use the same stands? Um, or are you going to try to be a little mobile or what are you thinking? My plan this year is honestly to be like 95% mobile setups and okay. just with how my season's going to lay out. Cause I'm, I, I'm going to be missing the first week of season this year. I'm going out West elk hunting. So, you know, hopefully, I mean, I'll probably be in, t- in contact with my cousin, kind of get the down low on <laughs> if anyone's hunting back there or Who all what's shows going up. on. Yeah. yeah. Cause that was another, another thing we forgot that we just glossed over quickly was that within that back corner, there's mm-hmm. never been other trail cameras and now there are. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> more than I got out there. So it, you know, it kind of makes me nervous. They all, they all know. And I think they've all seen the sheds um, that I found last year of Pope. So I think, you know, I, I haven't, and I honestly, I haven't even ran into these guys all year. So I haven't, you know, been able to talk to them at all, but I, I kind of have a feeling it was, it was a little bit of a race to see, you know, who could find them first kind of deal. Yeah. And uh, well, now that those other two big bucks are, hanging out in the area pretty frequently i'm sure they're getting pictures of them and you know that just kind of fuels the fire a little bit so i'm guessing this area is going to see a lot of pressure this year which is uh not my favorite idea in the world but uh you know you got to deal with the guards you're dealt i guess so i guess my strategy that i'm kind of leaning towards this year is be mobile and i'm going to be aggressive i'm not I'm not going to stick to field edge hunting, you know, early season. I'm going to dive in and try to find sign, try to find the freshest sign and stay on it. Keep moving if I need to. Sure. So hunting more of those, like more of the hillsides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or, or down on the bottom side of that bowl. I mean, you know, my, my cameras haven't proven, you know, my, my theory was maybe they're down hanging out in the woods a half hour before dark and by the time i'm getting pictures of them at dark above on the field edge you know what am i trying to say they're coming out obviously later on the field edge but maybe they're moving around down in the woods earlier i haven't really been seeing big differences in time so i kind of have like proved myself wrong a little bit but obviously cameras don't tell the whole story so i'm still kind of like going with the mindset of like if i just get down in there maybe i can catch them before it's dark or before dark and hopefully it's just moving down on yeah. the bottom wood edge essentially sure so it's just going to come down to i mean getting lucky yeah <laughs> he's been he's been pope at least has been very inconsistent on you know when he's popping out what times and where in that field it's he's different this year i don't know yeah and maybe you can maybe you can sneak a food maybe you can find an oak Maybe you can find an oak that's dropping some acorns that you think they might be sneaking around at kind of over yeah. on that point right. to the north a little bit or something. Um, yeah. and before they come out to that field, um, yeah. I know that tends to 
work for a lot of people is finding that little kind yeah. of what do you what, what they call it a staging area that spot mm-hmm. where they'll stop before they go but also you know trail cam say that the picture they they cruise up through there within five minutes like i know they and then you know they run past oaks at that point right. like they're walking right. right past acorns that pop up into that hay field right right the hard part and something i learned with with my trail cams last well the past two seasons late season is that one food plot that we leave standing corn. I it's, I mean, that's what, like a three acre plot maybe. Mm-hmm. I'd have three cameras covering that field late season. And I'd get pictures of these deer on one camera on one end, a half hour, 45 minutes before dark. And I wouldn't get them on the second camera until two hours after dark. I mean, they're moving that slow, just feeding the whole time. So like, that's kind of in the back of my mind of like, okay, sure. You know, just cause I'm getting them on this camera at this time. And then this time of year too, they could be 50 yards away. Like you say, if there's an Oak tree that dropped, they could be sitting 50 yards away from the camera munching on acorns for half an hour Oh yeah. before the, before they even come and walk in front of my camera. And then it's like, well, yeah, they were there the whole freaking time. Yeah. Yeah. So, for sure. I know that's, that's, and that's the whole, that's the whole, okay, get out there and get your glass on them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Get some glass on them. Cause yeah, yeah, trail cameras can only tell you so much. They only point in one direction right. and they only take pictures when, when they sense them and they don't catch anything that walks behind them or anything around yeah. them. I mean, there's so much that's more effective from actually glassing, which is something that I do very poorly at too. Oh, same, same. And I, like I say, I wanted to do more of it this year and I mean, time, time just gets away <laughs> yeah yeah that's the same for me just planning that archery shoot and right. and with two kids now and all that it's just getting harder and harder but right. for sure for sure okay so more frequent or i'm sorry more aggressive more mobile um are you running you still got that lone wolf set up is that what you're running yeah i got uh lone wolf the bigger lone wolf whatever that is and then some xop sticks okay gotcha yeah, i mean they do good i, I can't get up super high or anything but it's plenty for me early season it doesn't really matter i yeah early season getting up high almost hurts you a little bit but yeah around i yeah. i man our early season it's really rare that i'll use more than three sticks just because yeah. as soon as you get up in the canopy you can't shoot there's no shooting yeah. right exactly like yeah and if you stay you know at that 12 to 15 foot mark you can yep. generally have good shooting yep. lanes and decent cover Right. And right. I mean, who wants to do more work if they don't have to? Well, yeah, <laughs> hanging true. another stick. True. Um, and I think, and I think on a mobile setup like that too, I mean, a deer is not aware that there's a stand there. Right. I mean, ideally they, they're walking by you for the first time. Right. <laughs> they're not yeah, sitting yeah. there, you know, looking for something necessarily. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you need to be up 20, 25 feet. I mean, you're catching them totally off guard at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, all right. So, I mean, I think that kind of covers a lot of your early season. Do you have, is there any water back in there this year? It's been really dry in the Midwest. It's been really dry. Yeah. We had, we had a couple of really big rainfalls and there is kind of in that bowl. There's, we, I mean, we call it the pig pond. It's a, it's an old pond that it will collect and hold water for a short period, you know, a week, maybe if you get a lot of rain. Um, but just probably, what is that? 300 yards kind of around this point corner, whatever you want to call it. There's a pond that is basically, yeah, it's wet all year. 
And then down below, actually, in the neighbors that we were talking about, there's a stream that's down there. So I don't know that, I mean, it's definitely not an ideal, like, water target area. Like, if there was water in that pond, I don't know that I'd get, like, all excited because that means there's going to be a lot of water kind of everywhere. Sure. And, and for them, I mean, this year, especially the egg field is soybeans and the neighboring egg fields, hay and it's, or alfalfa. And I think it's pretty much, it's been alfalfa for the past like five or six years now. So, I mean, honestly, I think they get a lot of water from those two things alone. Sure. I mean, if it's, if it's super dry, I'm sure they're visiting a water source, but I mean, green, green soybeans, green alfalfa, that stuff's packed full of water for them. Gotcha. Okay. Well, anything, I mean, any, anything else that you want to cover for your early season and then we'll kind of hop into mine. Yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, I think my biggest challenge is going to be the wind, especially down in that area. And I know we kind of touched on that a little bit. And I think that again, is just going to come from my, like, I'm going to try to use my mobile strategy to be like, you know, I hunted down I down low last time with a northwest wind and the wind was terrible. Well, it's a northwest <laughs> wind. It's a northwest wind again today. Guess what? I'm not going down there. So right. just kind of use, you know, learn, learn as I'm hunt. Don't just hunt. It's like learn and adapt, I guess. So. Sure. Yeah. And then I guess like uh early season, you're looking at a lot of southwest winds too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely. yeah, those hot days are most of them are southwest winds. Does that set up well for southwest? Are there are there areas pending? Yeah, it's like you. There's one area that does. Um, it's one of those where I know you and I have talked about it. I don't know. I don't remember if it was on here or not, but it's one of those where like you hope the deer you want to kill is the first deer to walk by. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good wind until a deer walks by, and then once they're by you, it's not a good wind anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're gonna so, yeah, they're gonna smell yeah. you. Yeah, you don't want a little buck or doe or something to walk by and then blow the whole woods out, right? Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Yeah, because that's one of the hardest things I, I think about hunting early season is the majority of the winds you're going to get are southwest. And most people talk about hunting northwest winds in cold fronts yeah. in early that's season, right? You want to right. hunt the cold fronts. But a lot of people aren't able to get out during the week or just take time off on a whim. So it's like, yeah. all right, what is Saturday bringing? Most likely Southwest winds. Yep. Saturday and Southwest wind, where am I going? Right. Yeah, exactly. So I, you know, I think when you're, when you, when that's your uh, ability or that's your, um, your schedule, when you're able to do that, like you just have to plan early mm-hmm. season for Southwest winds. Like yeah. it's just plan for Southwest, hope for Northwest. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much all you can do. Right. Right. Yeah. Do you think that, do you think like, um, when you were hunted so much last year that you really alerted, did you see a decrease in, in like Pope's activity on the cameras or anything, or do you think you kept it um, well enough? You know, I did. Um, I certainly did, but I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say if it was because of me or that's just the way he goes. Cause when he was the first year I was getting pictures of him, it was the same story. I mean, just nonstop he was all over the cameras in September and then the first week of October rolled around and he all of a sudden got real sparse. And by the second week of October, he was gone. And I never got a picture of him again until December late season. And this past season with him as a four and a half, he, he definitely decreased activity, 
but I was starting to see that in like early September. It was basically straight out of velvet. Mm. He just got more kind of more sporadic. Like I say, with the two hay fields, it was like in August, he was all over this one hay field pretty much the whole time by, by the first week in September, it was kind of a crapshoot on which hay field he was coming to. And he kind of stayed like that until I think it was like early October this year. And then he was, he actually like, we kept getting random pictures of him throughout the entire year on the farm. It's like, he never really left. He didn't wander off too far at least. Huh. Cause I mean, eventually we were getting him like in the food plot and the rock pile and yeah, those areas, which we'd never gotten pictures of him there before. So it was kind of interesting to see that. Um, but you know, was that because I was hunting there? Maybe. I mean, it's hard to say. I, I wasn't necessarily seeing a decrease in like day-to-day deer activity. Okay. Which was kind of what kept me going. Like if I would have all of a sudden had a couple nights where it was just like, dude, I didn't see a single deer, I probably would have stopped hunting back there, figured that yeah, I screwed something up. But it was like, I mean, there was a doe and a fawn. <laughs> it was, every time I sat there, they'd come out like two hours before dark. And they'd be feeding on that hay field. I mean, and sometimes I'm sitting in the corn, you know, 10 yards away from them. <laughs> and sometimes I was in the woods, 75 yards. Like it was, I mean, they were very, very regular. And there was a couple other small bucks that were pretty frequent. They'd be there, you know, a couple times a week, it seemed like. And huh. maybe it's hard to say. I mean, I yeah. might have screwed it up. <laughs> I just kept going. <laughs> yeah. Did you notice, like, you know, when you say he was, like, switching hay fields, you know, either west side or whatever, north hay or south hay, um, did you did that correlate at all to the wind? Like, for where no. he was betting? Like, on a south no. winds, he beds over here. Or on a north wind, no. he beds over here. No, and I was keeping, I was keeping, like, a weather tracking spreadsheet that, like, I mean, I was taking pictures of all the Wonderground stuff because the area that we're in, I know like Wonderground has like a history feature, right? But when you pull up the history, it takes you to, it's like only airports had the history. It wasn't for like specific weather stations, which like we have a weather station like half a mile from our hunting land. So okay. it's, like, it's awesome. Like when it says it's 70 degrees outside, it's 70 degrees at the hunting land. <laughs> But like, so I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Like, I'll be able to look up the history easy peasy. And I pull up the history and it like defaults to like Dubuque Airport or like Dane County Airport. And you cannot pick the other one. So I was like, oh, shit, like that's really going to screw me because that's like what's going on in Dubuque could be very different than what's going on at the land. Right? <laughs> yeah. So I started just taking like screenshots of the weather for that day, like the, the actual tract because they show it for that day the wind direction, the wind speed, barometric pressure as it climbs and falls throughout the day, the temperature, everything. So I was taking a screenshot every single day. <laughs> and then I started getting like a little interested to be like, well, what if I take a screenshot of the 10 day also just to see like, how good are these guys at like the 10 <laughs> day or the five day or whatever. So then yeah. I was doing that also. And then I was, I also had DeerCast, the Deer Jury Outdoors mm-hmm. app. And I'd take a screenshot of that on my phone every day. <laughs> And put that in there as well. So I have this thing like pretty thorough. And then as I was getting camera pictures of, I mean, we had like half a dozen, you know, potential shooters. I was marking the days and like when they come through and like, you'd be able to look like what was the weather doing that day. 
who moved, where was he, blah, blah, blah. And with Pope, there was nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't find anything. I mean, the, the like perfect days, right? When it drops to like high 68 in like August. Yeah, he's out there in his daylight, along with like every other deer on the farm. <laughs> but like days like that, we're like, sure, he's he's up and moving. But like other than that, man, he just had it'd be like you'd you'd look at the weather and you'd be like, this is like the worst day possible. And he's out there half an hour before dark. Like, okay. And then you look at that same trend a week later and he's nowhere to be seen until midnight. It's like, well, okay, like what the heck? <laughs> and coming, I mean. I I didn't really do a good job at like covering bedding areas. I mean, I was just those most of those cameras were just on field edges. So like it's hard to say if like if he trended a certain bedding area, I guess. And once I started hunting the area, I actually realized really quick that where I thought they were coming from was actually completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I thought because I'd get a picture of them in the corner of a field. Basically. So there's like an inside corner and then the other is an outside corner and it's like what, 250 yards apart maybe. And I'd get yeah. pictures. I'd get pictures in the same night of a deer popping out in that inside corner and working his way to the hay field. And then I get a picture 10 minutes later, they're on the outside corner. Like, okay. They're walking right along the field edge. This is perfect. You know, I just got to set up along the field edge and they're going to walk right by. Yeah. No. They'd pop out. I'd get a picture of them in that first camera. And this is what I was physically seeing. And then I'd go back and check cameras, you know, a week later and be like, holy shit. Okay. I was sitting out there at that time. And there was a deer right there that I never saw, but like he was there. They drop into the woods, come towards the hay field and then pop out like 10 feet from my camera and then walk the field edge. So it looked like the whole time they were walking the field edge. But they, they were actually walking directly underneath my tree, basically, when I was hunting. And I'm sitting there watching these deer like, oh, God, I'm going to get busted big time, you know, like, <laughs> and I didn't have I never had a single deer walk the field edge of all those days that I hunted. Not not once. They all dropped down into that bowl and circled right back up. Why? And, Do you have any idea why? No. And it was corn that year, too. So like that whole edge was very very secluded they should have felt very comfortable i just yeah it's like why they why they even pop out in the first place why wouldn't they just stay in the woods because a lot of times they'd come out like along that ridge yeah they'd pop out because i i'd i could see that trail coming out they'd pop out basically circle around my camera i'd get a couple pictures of them and then somewhere they were popping back into the woods and I just couldn't ever figure out why. Wow. But then I just adjusted to essentially say, okay, screw the field edge. I'm going to shoot them in the woods. Yeah. And like I said, I'd see, see a ton of deer, see a ton of deer, just never, the never boat. Yeah. Yeah. And that's amazing. Cause if you would have had your camera and on a different tree, you, you might never have even gotten a single picture oh. of them. Oh yeah. And that's honestly, that's how it is this year. The, the, the camera that, is more towards the hayfield is where I'd get thousands of pictures of them. This year I have maybe a couple dozen. And that other inside corner, just 250 yards away, I probably have like 75. 
So it's like, like I say, his numbers are way down this year, but like the majority of them are now in that back corner, but it's also soybeans this year. So I'm guessing that plays probably has something to do with it. Yeah. And that just go, it's the trail cam replacement is so key and it's something that you're just going to get from experience or from time and watching out there. And then the other, the other thing is to always remember that the trail cameras don't tell you everything. No, exactly. They just, yeah, you got to, if, if you're getting those pictures, get out there and put your time in the tree yeah. and figure out like, or put your time behind the glass and figure out what yeah. the hell is actually going on. For sure. For sure. Right. Cause you might, you might go out there and if man, heaven forbid Pope finally pops out in that corner and you're expecting him to walk the field edge. So you play like a, nor, uh, a North wind, which is going to send your scent into the woods. Yeah. And all of a sudden he dumps into the woods and you're like, shit. Yeah. Yeah, it turns out that's like the worst wind, right? The right. Yeah, it the turns best out it's, wind yeah. the worst. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And now, yeah, so getting your eyes on it, and and I mean, you're gonna fail. Like people are gonna fail oh, yeah. at that, and you're gonna screw yeah. up. Um, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, uh, one of the things I always like to do is if I don't know what's going on, I try to cut a shooting lane downwind for me. Like, mm. so it's essentially, or at least have a lane downwind. So mm-hmm. before they get to my scent cone, I can yeah. get a shot at them. Like if yeah. they, if you, you know, they take five more steps, I'm busted. Right. You know, but if something does come in, there's been plenty of times where I'm like, God, if you come in like this way, you know, when you're setting up in your tree and you're like, all right, this is a brand new spot. I got five trails around me. These three are great. These two suck. Let's hope mm-hmm. to God he takes one of the three. You know, when they come through here and they don't use the other two. And if they do, is there a lane open where I could sneak one in there quick right. before? Right. right. Cause you know, that's, what's going to happen. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. For sure. Uh, yeah. That's the fun part about being mobile is the decision-making process into what tree you're going to get into. Yeah. Like yeah. that is probably, I, I hate, I hate doing that because <laughs> it takes me like, probably anywhere from 15 to dude i've done it one time for like 40 minutes i couldn't yeah. pick a tree i oh, yeah, go to a tree and second and I, guess nope this one doesn't look good or you put like two sticks up there and all of a sudden you realize like you got no spot to hang your stand like there's yeah. a bunch of knots up there and it's not gonna sit well and there's something or you or you get up there and all of a sudden a branch you never even thought was gonna be in your shooting lane is now in your lane right Right. Or whatever. So you got to tear down, you got to move over and you got to figure out where the hell dude, I, that's why I do so much, uh, scouting in like February, March and April is so I go out and I pick the tree. I know exactly. I put in my 40 minutes in the spring and I know exactly where I'm going to go. Yeah. That's, that's actually one thing I did do a lot this past spring, just shed hunting. I spent a lot of time shed hunting that area just to try to figure out the trail systems so it's like it was like after all the snow melted so it wasn't just like a bunch of bs trails this was like right before turkey season kind of deal right like early early april and i was just identifying like the major trails i wasn't necessarily like picking trees like for mobile setups but now that i have like the mental picture of like okay yeah this trail does parallel the field and then wrap around the bowl. It doesn't like shoot up, which like maybe I thought it did or or whatever. So I can at least go in with that kind of mental image of like, okay, I don't need to go another 50 yards because that trail just like 
goes up to the field or or just drops straight down or whatever. And I know it does that. So just stop. (laughs) This is where you need to be. Right. Yeah. That's always, that's always a really annoying thing is when you go, when you're trying to do a mobile setup and you go too far and you got a backtrack and now your shooting lane is where you were standing. Exactly. Exactly. You're like, Oh God, did I have the worst feeling? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I know like one of the nicest bucks that I ever missed on on public. Or I didn't miss. I drew on him and I didn't pull the trigger because it was it was one of those where it was like last light. And when I pulled up my sight, all my pins were on him, but I couldn't see him because like all my pins were glowing too much. Like I just just see the outline. I was like, I don't know. I think this is in his lungs. And I just (laughs) you know, and he was at he was at 15 yards, and I just ended up letting down. But that night I had hung a camera about 20 yards in front of me. I went and hung the camera and then came back to the stand and I had a doe come in, sniff the camera. She didn't really care. I had a young buck come through. He didn't care about the camera. And then right at last light, a doe came through. This was late October and he was grunting in behind her and just came running right through. Would have had him on camera, but when I went to go check that card, uh like i hung it that night so i was like i'll come back you know in a week or two and come Mm -hmm. check it and i was pretty far back there someone had broken off my um the little latch for the house for the um cover for the camera oh yeah yeah yeah. someone had broken off the latch and snagged the card i had the car i had the (laughs) camera uh python locked to the tree so they didn't steal the camera but they broke the latch off and then stole the card i was like really come on see those pictures i just wanted to see that buck because i knew he was big like i knew (laughs) he was like a nice 10 but i just Mm -hmm. like i couldn't make it out he was in too much brush and then all of a sudden he just popped out into this nice little opening at 15 yards and i was like dude if I pull the trigger on this, man, I could be tracking forever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes that's not, not a good thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I let down, but, um, but yeah, that's that, that's that mobile setup thing. Um, well, that'll be interesting now that you know where all those trails are and walking those trails out can be so helpful in the spring. Oh yeah. Like just walking all these different trails. Cause you never do it during season. You always like look at them and you kind of like take a guess at where they're coming from. Like you can see, you can see them for 15 yards, 20 yards. You're like, Oh, it must do this. And sometimes exactly. you walk on them. You're like, Oh my God, this is yeah. where this thing comes from. Yeah. Or you're on just some like giant trail and just Peters out to like nothing. Yeah. It's like, Oh, that would have been nice to know before I sat over it for, you know, a full day. Or right. Yeah. You think it's something huge, but really it's yeah. just been there for the last 150 years. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe so the ground there is a little softer. So if anything does walk it, it like makes it look like it's super beat up. You know? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. So, I mean, as far as, I mean, that, I feel like that's a pretty good, take on what you're doing early season and i don't you know a lot of it like you said earlier is kind of a coin toss to some degree about that is, all right there are some bucks that are extremely predictable like and you hear these stories about mm-hmm. people who are just like yeah he comes right. out on a west wind at yeah, you know, yeah. A half the thing hour lives before. on like 20 acres and that doesn't yeah. leave it like i've just never had that <laughs> ever no neither either have i i've never been able to get that consistency yeah. even on even on my own property this, right. this year. Right. So this will be the third season I'm hunting this. Yeah. Yeah. I've What's your plan? To, have yet to kill a deer on it. Yeah. <laughs> I've had plenty of opportunities at does. And for one reason or another, I choose to pass. 
Sure. Um, I've had a couple decent bucks come through, um, but also choosing to pass based on they're like really nice two and a half year olds. Mm-hmm. Um, missed a three and a half year old last year, just flat out 27 yards, just put it right over the top of his back. That was annoying. Um, and last year, you know, one of the things that I realized about last year was I had, we set that mock scrape up and we set that double set up on the top of the knob and that mock scrape was just pounded. I mean, yeah. it was pretty much I, I after October 15th. And what I realized was the wind in there, even if it was a North wind, it was coming from the South. When you sat in that stand, it was awful. And when you had a South wind, it was an awful wind too. It's just terrible for whatever reason, the topography was, uh, we we had some ravines and some ridges and some hillsides and for whatever reason, the wind just always sucked. Mm -hmm. So I put a lot of stake into that stand last year and I didn't have a whole lot for backup this year. I have a lot more backup. Sure. (laughs) Um, so for early season, I, we hosted that archery shoot, um, August 6th, 7th and 8th, which was a blast. That was a great time. Um, certainly doing it again last year, Parker and I went over some of the pros and cons of it and we're going to be opening it up next year. It's going to be the second weekend of June. So the weekend after Turkey season's done in Wisconsin. And, um, so I got all my cameras out that weekend. So they've been out for two weeks now, two and a half weeks. And I got them out the weekend. I got some out the weekend before and some out that weekend. So I got nine cameras out there right now and I haven't checked any of them. I know none of the shooters that I was after last year got killed. So that's good. I got all, I got pictures of all, there's four of them um, in that like 130 class plus range. Mm -hmm. And all of them I got pictures of in the winter. So assuming that they weren't hit by cars or anything, they should still be out there. Um, And I don't know. I think that we talked about it a little bit this weekend, but the, I don't know if I'm going to hunt there early season or not. It depends on what the cameras tell me. Sure. So one of the things about that property is it sucks for South winds. Mm -hmm. Um, because you're entering from the South and everything you're going to is from the South. So your sense yeah. blowing into it the whole time. So you either have to make a big ass J hook in order to come into any spots. Um, or you have to wait for honestly an East or a North wind or any sort of North, North, Northwest, Northeast. So I have to wait on that. Um, so I'll be checking the cameras. I got, like I said, I got nine out. I don't have any on the east side of the farm, which actually is one of the best. It was the best spot the first year, um, bar none, the best, the best spot for bucks. Um, early season, the two biggest bucks on the farm were hitting a scrape that we had set up. It was a, uh, and it was early season. Like, I mean, they were hitting the scrape middle of the day, early season, like in September. Yeah. So, um, so I didn't, I didn't even check that camera until late October. Like I never even made it back there. Cause it's kind of, it, it's kind of in a little hell hole. It really is um, getting way back down in there. But this year uh, I didn't even get a camera down in there. Um, and I will, if it's a Northwest wind, I'm just going to go in there totally blind. Well, I mean, I know the area, right? right? No cameras or anything. And I'll go in there and I'll sit that scrape. I got some 
um, steps hung up there yet. Some river's edge steps <laughs> that are still just sitting in a tree. So, um, and I, and I know exactly where that scrape is based on where those, where that tree is. So I cleared okay, a lane yeah. right to it. So hopefully, um, if they are using that, I can sneak in there. That's just a hard one to get to. But other than that, that it's a hard one to get to because you make a lot of noise getting in, into that area. Yeah. Um, I'd like to figure out a way to walk the Creek, um, mm -hmm. and mask a little bit more sound because mm -hmm. the Creek is in a ditch. Like it's like a three, four foot bank. Um, and then also, you know, you just have running water the whole time. So you can kind of sneak in there a little bit better, but there's a, there's a few big down logs that I can't get around well right, right. at all. So, um, I would have, I, there was a lot of work that I wanted to do this early season, but then I had a baby girl and all that just went out the window. <laughs> Life happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she was born in February, which, and she was born early in February. So that just scrapped everything for February, March and April and May, pretty much. Like I was, I was very happy that I got out turkey hunting, you know, and I got out <laughs> turkey hunting three times and I killed two birds, which was pretty awesome. Pretty good answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll take that. I'll take that all day. Um, so yeah, I mean all that work, which part of that work was cutting out those logs so that I could have that access route in there. Otherwise you're walking through four or five foot tall grass, weeds, poison ivy, whatever the hell's in there. And I, Parker knows. And if anybody knows me, like I smell poison ivy and I get it. So it's just not something that I'm super interested in doing. Um, so if I could cut out that Creek, I could avoid all that shit. So I'm going to, yeah. And we'll see. I mean, the water is super low this year. I might be able to sneak under some of those logs now. I don't know, but, um, but yeah, that's the piece of private. And actually I, I do like hunting the public, um, by my house early season. There's a lot of good spots for Southwest winds. And there's also a lot of good spots, um, that are close to the road for Southwest winds. So, um, I do, I do like hunting those, um, around here. And I guess opening weekend last year was really eye-opening. I guess I never really noticed it, but ever I had to go to plan like F last year, <laughs> like uh, all the parking lots for opening weekend, they all had yeah. um, one or two cars in them. And I was like, oh. holy shit. Like I haven't ever seen cars like this yeah. ever out here. Yeah. Um, and we're talking like, yeah, like plan F, like six or seven parking lots that I was driving by and they aren't all on the same piece. Like they're all around. Like I probably drove, I ended up going to a spot that was like 15 minutes away. And I probably drove like I don't know, 15, 20 miles. Like it was <laughs> like just driving all these loop to loops and stuff, right. trying to find this, find a spot where no one was. And I ended up picking it. it the reason no one was there is because it's really crappy walk in. It's not oh, very sure. far, but it's yeah. a pretty crappy walk. And I ended up seeing um, nine does and one small buck. So, um, and I, that's certainly on the list for this year. Um, mm -hmm. And I almost shot one of them. I drew back in my limb. Um, my bow hanger was right where my limb was. So I couldn't like, if I would have shot, my limb was just going to smash into my bow hanger, mm -hmm. which was not going to be good at all. Um, so then I moved it and then whatever, 10 minutes later, another doe came through pretty much the same spot. And it was very, it's, it's in a swamp, very mosquito-y. And I forgot my thermocell and it was also like 80 degrees. 
So I was like, I drew back on her and I really thought about it. And I was like, not interested in doing this on a Sunday night when I got to go to work tomorrow morning. Yeah. So I was like, I'll come back for you in, in October. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and, and the other thing about the pieces, so I let, I let her walk. I didn't shoot her. Um, she just came strolling on by, but the other thing is that's like one of the things that I would really like to develop the private property into is a, there's no mosquitoes down on our private. It's just so nice. You just don't have to deal with them at all. Really? Um, and then the other thing is like, you can access everything with a four wheeler. So if, if I'm shooting a bunch of does, I would really like to do it on the private cause then it's just a lot easier. Like that is sure. purely laziness on my standpoint. And I will admit that forever just because <laughs> it's, it's the truth, <laughs> you know, There's merit to it. Though. Yeah. If I'm going to shoot a doe, I'm probably going to shoot it in, I don't know, mid, mid, late October on the public. Cause it's going to be cooler temps. And I'm, and I really, honestly, I like to shoot them in the mornings because then you don't have to track at night. They're usually mm-hmm. dead within, you know, 30 minutes and you can, you know, shoot them at 8am and you can be out of the woods by 9 30, 10 o'clock. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're not up till midnight. Butchering. Yeah, exactly. In the dark, trying to find yeah. your ways. Cause there is, I've been lost a couple times in the dark with deer coming out of public and you just get turned around and some of that shit, you think you're going to take a shortcut and it turns into the longest cut of your life and you get stuck yeah. in some, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You get stuck in some shithole and you're like, God, why am I doing this? <laughs> you always make it out, but yeah, it sucks. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, the early, I guess my early season plan is, is a lot of the public land around here, unless my trail cameras down at the property tell me otherwise. And if the property, the trail cameras down there are like, yeah, um, two of the bucks last year were, were together a lot in early season. Um, it was a wide eight point. He was probably in like the mid one thirties last year. So, and I know he made it through cause I got pictures of him in January, um, still with his rack. And then, and he always, he generally walked with another nice, nicer eight point who was, uh, more, more tall and more skinny. So he's probably, I bet he scored less. I bet he, he was in like the one twenty range or so like compared to 130, um, maybe a little bit younger, but those two kind of hung out together. So I'm hoping maybe both of them blew up a little bit more and yeah. maybe they're tens or nines now or whatever. Um, but we also, you know, the other big thing at the property is we built the cabin this year. There's a lot of noise, a lot of people going around. The archery shoot certainly didn't, didn't help. My dad hosted okay. a freaking music festival <laughs> right people all out there had a big old wagon had a couple bands out there so you know it's um yeah we'll see how it goes but i just really don't i don't envision any of the deer coming up to the food sources that are near us this year i think everything's going to be pushed on into the back corners which is fine like that's mm-hmm. cool that's where i got my cameras so we'll see how it shakes out. And if anything, it eliminates a lot of the area and it concentrates them into very specific areas. And hopefully those are good for Northwest winds. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, on that property in general, is just like a money, like travel corridor during the rut, you know? Yes. Yeah. Essentially a wooded wooded valley, you know? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that property is certainly the best time 
just to topographically is the rut you know it's a big pinch point that's all it is it's you know at one point at, at one spot on the farm from where we essentially shot that wolf target, that's like the narrowest part of the whole property right there. And you're talking like a 120 yard gap, like during rightful season, if something's going through there, you're, you got a chance. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, and otherwise if the deer aren't going through there, they're going up through wide open ag fields, you know, Mm -hmm. and in the rut, they're all going to be picked. So it really funnels, funnels the deer down to certain areas, which is where I miss that um that like 11 pointer that split g2 buck mm-hmm. so i missed him right on that funnel he was just traveling there going from one bedding area to another and yeah if he's he was probably in like that 140 class he's probably yeah. tickling 140 so i mean if he's and i actually looked back and i had pictures of him the year before too and he was in like low 120 or mid 120s probably he was a 10 point the year before but he was real small 10 point split g2 mm-hmm. And last year he split G2 um, and he's the bigger 10 point. And this year, if he stays the same, he's going to be pretty nice. Yeah, um, for sure. Educated him a little bit last year, but <laughs> he didn't actually. And after I missed, he didn't spook too bad. He ran off and yeah. stopped and looked around. Didn't yeah. even touch him, you know, just shot like three inches over. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he could certainly be around. And there's a couple other bruisers that, you know, hopefully – hopefully they'll turn out i don't know Mm -hmm. so yeah that's i and my early season strategy revolves because we don't have food plots um i don't think those deer are hitting the soybeans or the corn that are up on our property because they're close to the cabin where everybody is so those the 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 private land that would revolve around acorns and the neighbor's egg Mm -hmm. is really you know that that neighbor to the north his ag fields and acorns that's what i would revolve that strategy around early season and the public property is almost purely acorns you know just looking for acorns and swampy areas um that are on the edge of what you would think would be bedding and i don't know I, this is a feeling I have, but I have done the mile, mile and a half death march into the swamp in early season through the mosquitoes, through the nettles, through the water, through the heat and got set up and haven't seen Dick. Like oh, I yeah. have done, I have done that multiple times. Cause I'm not like the dude to do something once and go, Oh, well it didn't work for me that one time. So it's not never going to work. Like I'll do that shit three, four, five times and be like, all right, this isn't working. (laughs) You know, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, and it, and it sucks every time that you get out there. And then I started hunting close to the road early season and I started seeing far more deer and a couple of the biggest bucks I've seen early season have been 50 yards from the road. Oh yeah. You know, um, and I mean, last year, Last year I had a tanker. So right after I didn't shoot that doe, I left and not even a mile down the road, um, which is still public ground. There was a really nice, like 11 point that just popped out of an egg field and was crossing the road from the public. Um, it, it's like all public. And then like right before the road, you get like, I don't know, a 50 yard stretch of private ag. And then you get then he was crossing the road into this, like, I don't know, 700 acre ag field. So he came out of the public, 
came through that little egg field and then was crossing the road to the big egg. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. holy shit, like you were definitely on public. And there, I know there was a car in that spot, but obviously didn't kill him. Sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, he was, he was a bruiser and he was, I mean, if I would have just gone another, I don't know, few hundred yards, I probably would have seen him mm-hmm. or at least, uh, not probably would have seen him, but at least got to look at him when he was out in that egg field and known sure. where he come out of the woods you know, so mm-hmm. it's not, uh, I don't, I, I don't know. I feel like if you were to go out on public, I think the earlier in the season, you're going to find deer closer to the parking lot. Then as pressure picks up deer, just naturally disperse back into the, and I don't think deer like the mosquitoes either. I don't think they no. like walking through the crap unless they have to. Right. Right. I mean, look at how many times you drive around at three in the afternoon in the middle of some field, there's a doe standing out there or whatever. And she's probably just getting away from bugs, you know? Yeah. Like, it's yeah, like I used, I used to see that all the time at my parents' house, just like mm. middle of the day, it's 85 degrees outside. And all of a sudden a doe and a couple fawns are out hanging out in the field. It's like, what? What are you guys doing out here? But then right. you walk down in the woods, you get within 10 feet of the woods and get carried away by mosquitoes. It's like, oh, right. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> you know, you get out in the fields, you get a little breeze. But yeah. yeah, I feel that I feel like as season goes on, deer move out. So I that's one of the reasons I do like hunting those close spots is because you know they haven't been pressured for the last eight, nine months. You know, they're feeling pretty safe. They want to be closer to the food sources. They don't want to have to walk a mile. Like they want a nice spot that they feel safe, that they can get food really quickly and easily, and they can get water pretty easily. You know, and if, if alfalfa is what they're eating and they can get all the water out of that alfalfa, then they don't need a whole lot more. Right. So like they can stay in a very small area and that can be pretty close to the road. And that's why Mm -hmm. like, you know, I feel like I, I plan out like, like today, this morning I was up at five 30 and I just got in the car and I started driving and I wanted to check all these different egg fields to see what they were this year. Um, mm-hmm. but I also wanted to just kind of get a feel if anything else had changed. Uh, uh, like last year I went to a spot and they had logged a f- boatload of it. So oh, I was like, oh yeah. crap, this is totally different than what I was expecting. So I just right. wanted to, to kind of check on that stuff. Uh, but I forget where I was going with this, but I guess, oh, I was, I checked on like six spots. So I wanted to see those six areas. Cause essentially that's my plan, a plan, B plan, C yeah. and opening weekend. There's going to be a bunch of people out there. But then after that second weekend, there was no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Third Especially weekend, once like duck season and pheasant season opens up. It's like, yeah, people just aren't just focusing on bow hunting anymore, you know? Right. Exactly. And I, and there's so many people are like, Oh, it's opener. We're going. And then they get out right. and it's 80 degrees and it's mosquito. And they're Miserable. like, all right, yeah. I'm waiting till Halloween. I'm, yeah, I'm done till November. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I'll, I'll take my chances in November. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I feel like having those plans, those secondary spots, cause I will hunt. It's pretty rare unless I'm seeing a lot of good activity. Honestly, the public that I hunt, it's pretty rare that I hunt the same area twice. Yeah. Um, whether that's good or bad, I don't, I don't know. I'm some days well, you got, I'm you got a lot of options is a nice thing, right? Like, yes. I mean, that's you got the thousands, thing. thousands of acres versus, I mean, if someone's limited to like a 200 acre piece, maybe they're forced to hunt similar areas at least multiple times. Yeah. But yeah, when you got options, it's like, 
unless you're seeing something crazy awesome why would you right yeah i I, exactly and there's my other my only thought to reason i wouldn't or i should sit those spots like two or three times is to learn the area better because it might not you know i might sit it once and not see anything but if i set it again i might see a lot a lot and then it teach me something i don't know that's all a coin toss right it's a big flip and I don't have yeah. 900 cameras and I don't have time to check 900 yeah. cameras, you know, yeah. or lose 300 of them to think <laughs> like yeah. not interested in that. So I, uh, yeah, so I will sit a ton of different spots. And, and the other thing, you know, with, with, I think it's roughly 6,000 acres. That's a lot of it's a lot of it's marsh, um, marsh and river and duck hunters are all over that place. But, um, uh, a lot of it, I'll get to like the sixth spot for early season. Like I'll, I'll like, it'll be my sixth time hunting in early season and it'll be South winds. And I'm like, all right, this is like my last one before I'm kind of moving on or wrote re re upping the next ones. But then the, the, the phase of the season changes and I'm like, okay, well now it's October, you know, 15th. Should I be looking at scrapes? All right. Well, where are the scrapes that I want to be targeting? And then I'll start going and putzing around with those. And all of a sudden it's, it's hard pre-rut and I got to go to my best scrapes. You know, I have three of them that I know on the public that I am, if it's Southwest or Northwest wind, I have scrapes that I'm going to be sitting. And then all of a sudden you're in the rut. Okay. So now I'm looking for pinch points and it's changing so fast that I never have the ability to actually hunt all the spots that I want to, Yeah, which is, um, which, yeah, people, people might be at home being like, wow, I wish I had that problem. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yeah, it's a good problem to have. But at the same time, I think, you know, with pieces of public, like anyone can have that ability. you just got to be willing to drive. Yeah, for sure. Right. For I'm sure. fortunate enough that the closest parking lot is five minutes and the furthest is 30. Mm-hmm. But um, I also used to hunt public over near Sauk on the Wisconsin River. And that's like 8,000 or 9,000 acres, but I drive over an hour to get there. Right. right. You know? So, and there's, there's way too many spots to hunt in that. Yeah. 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 I mean, you see the guys in Iowa was like hunting public guys. They're saying some of their best spots are like a four hour drive. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I mean, you could drive anywhere in the state in four hours, basically. (laughs) Right. You got a good exactly. spot. Go get it, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So you just got to be willing to put in put in the time behind the wheel. If 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 you if you're unhappy, like if you're if you have permission, you know, for 15 acres. Like I was talking to a dude at a boat launch the other day. Took took my kids there to just mess around. Um, Charlie likes playing in the water, and Margot had never like hung out at the river. So we were there, whatever. And and He's like, yeah, I got land in Northern Wisconsin, but I don't have any around here. I need to start knocking on doors. I was like, well, there's all this, like we were on a chunk that was like 400 acres. I was like, have you ever hunted this stuff? He's like, nah, I'm like, why not? He's like, ah, just, there's too many people out here. It's there's, there's, there's a lot to do. You know, you gotta, you gotta do so much work. And if you shoot one, you can't just go get it with a four wheeler. I was like, yeah. I mean, I know, but there's, there's good deer out here, dude. He's like, yeah, I know I need to just start knocking. I need to go, you know, what I need to do is like find some farms that are only like 15 to 30 acres. Cause those people probably don't get as many at permission questions <laughs> and stuff. And I'm like, why are you going to limit yourself to that? Right. Right. You have one or two stands and that's when you're, you're standing on a 400 acre piece of public that you can hunt 
whatever you feel like, like, you yeah. know, yeah. and you don't need to worry about a landowner doing shit for you or yeah. nothing like that. Cause it's, you just go, you know, and it's yeah. a good piece. Like I was like, dude, I've seen deer on this piece. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah know? exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I think, you know, if you are one of those people and you have, you know, smaller acreage, you know, a great time. I, I, people might not like this suggestion, but I think the best time to try new properties is in the rut. Like if you're not having any luck, like it sucks hunting a new property in early season because you don't know oh, anything. Yeah. There's fully you don't know everywhere. anything about it, especially. Yeah. yeah. You don't know anything about it. The deer are hardly moving. They, they move very short distances generally. So like hunting early season on a new property kind of sucks mm-hmm. hunting the rut on a new property isn't nearly as bad because the deer movement's going to be greater. You're going to get more bandwidth out of them and the leaves are going to be down. You're going to see a lot more of the terrain. You're going to have a lot more opportunity during the rut than you are during early season. And I figured that one out the hard way when I elk hunted out West early season, like that was really annoying. Yeah. (laughs) And I've hunted, I hunted Illinois, that spot that we checked out a few years back in Illinois, I hunted that during the rut and I had some of the best encounters I've ever had and never been there. And I was just bopping around. (laughs) Right. Right. And with the rut, I mean, you could literally, you could stand in the middle of a cattle pasture and potentially kill the biggest buck of your life. I mean, you just don't know. (laughs) Right. It could could happen anywhere. Yeah. (laughs) Luck can certainly happen. I mean, it does every year during the rut, you know, and people like, yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the opportunities that I had in Illinois, you know, I was down in this little bottom and bucks just came burning through there. And I almost got a shot at one. He was really nice buck came into 65 yards. Couldn't, couldn't get a crack at him through a bunch of limbs and stuff. And I wasn't even comfortable shooting 65 at that point, but then that was it. And then he moved off and I was talking to a guy right before I was leaving. I was like, well, I'm never going to hunt this. Well, I might hunt this again in a few years, but yeah, dude, I was down in here and he was like, Oh, really? I never see anyone down there. They always walk past that spot. And I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> it was pretty good last night. So you may want to go. It's probably a hot doe down That's there. That's probably why it was good. Yeah. Right. Everyone yeah. Walks past around. <laughs> right. So anyway. All right. Enough rambling. Any, any, uh, any other thoughts, last lasting impressions for early season from you, Parker? No, people just, Shoot your bows, shoot your broadheads. Yeah. Never know what you're going to find there. Oh my God. Yes. Even there, even if they're expandables, shoot it with a, with the, a lot of them give practice tips or whatever, or take a junky one and shoot it into a target. Just shoot your broadheads. Yes. Get out there. It's mid August right now. Get out there and shoot your broadheads. The last thing you want to do is throw those guys on the week before season yeah. and you're shooting five inches to the right. And even expandables, they do float. Like you can Mm -hmm. certainly get an inch, right? Like 30 yards or 40 yards with your expandables. Definitely. You know, and definitely like, don't just shoot them at 20, like shoot them at those longer distances. Cause that's where you're going to, that's where your errors are going to be exaggerated. And the first thing you should always check is your grip. Might be you. (laughs) It's more, a lot of the times it is you, you know, very possible. Very possible. Yeah. Yep. My, yeah. And my neighbor and I, I didn't tell him this or anything, but Chad, if you're listening, check your grip. Cause he, he's like, yeah, dude, I threw my broadheads on the other day and I was shooting a few inches to the right at 30. So I adjusted my sight. Now I'm dead nuts. And I'm like, 
you throw your field tips on because if now your field tips are shooting three, yeah, now your field left, tips are left. <laughs> yeah, you might have a you might have a problem, dude. So you might have some funky arrow flight going on there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely get out, get your broadheads on, and and let those things loose because there's nothing nothing worse than being unconfident right. with your setup. Oh, that's exactly it. Yeah, it's always in the back of your mind. It's like yep. And if you move your sight to compensate, but not your if you don't move your rest properly tune it well then maybe somehow when you're about to shoot at a deer your form is proper and then your broadheads actually shoot four inches left where they should be it's like you just don't want the you don't want the question mark hanging out there just get right it, get them all shooting together get it right yeah shoot your bow shoot your broadheads great tip to end it on all right well thank you everybody for listening really appreciate it uh follow along with parker and i's story again we're going to be posting this one like once a month giving updates um check the instagram and the facebook for photos uh, i think i have those pictures of the sheds i'll throw those up um and then if you want to send me if you want to parker i know, I know this is near and dear to your heart but if you want to send me a picture of pope um i can I, I will throw that up as well actually i think i took a screenshot a while ago <laughs> it's like a screenshot in from snapchat oh, yeah. so um yeah i'll throw those up on the old the old instagram if you guys want to see that um and if anybody has any questions or anything please feel free to hit me up and if you enjoyed this you know uh subscribe be throwing a lot more on the youtube uh this year that is that is the number one now nah, it's well it's the number two goal behind shooting a big buck is is doing more youtube content like at least weekly videos five ten minute videos on um tips and tricks and things that are helping us out as we're going along things that we found to be very helpful very useful and hopefully can help you guys out as well all right catch you guys later and have a good week thanks everybody